Happy New Year. Can you believe it? 2016. How many of you thought that when Y2K hit, that was it? <laughs> Do you remember that? So Happy New Year. Pam and I took some time off between Christmas and through New Year's, and we stayed around town, had a quiet time, and then we headed down for a couple of days uh, down to Cook's Forest to a lodge where we spent a, a couple of days there. It was on the morning of the last day we were there. We were cuddled up in this really, really comfortable bed. You know, it's, it's one, it's those moments when you're just you're, you're cuddled up. Maybe it was like that this morning. You didn't want to get out, and you just, you just everything is just warm and toasty. And and it was about six in the morning, and suddenly we heard this pounding up and down the hallway, and somebody was pounding on the doors, and he pounded on our door, and I said, "What?" And I did. It was six in the morning, and he said, "Fire alarm! Fire alarm!" Now, I was half awake, and I thought, first of all, I was just stupid, but I thought, who, who does a fire drill at 6 in the morning? And then it dawned on me, fire. It could be a fire. So we jumped out of bed, put on some really warm clothes, grabbed our wallets, our cell phones, uh, some really nice towels, because they're really good towels, <laughs> and, and, some, uh, and the car keys and the, and the room, room key, and slowly opened the door to make sure there was no smoke and no fire out there. And, and it was clear. And we looked to the left where there was, was an opening, a, a doorway, a double doorway that goes out into what they call a great room, which is just a really, it's a great room. And it's just very rustic and has fireplace and seating places and they sort of snacks and stuff out there. And so, but, but it wasn't open now. When the, the alarm went off, the doors automatically shut. So we had no idea what was on the other side of that door, whether some, some place was on fire or what was happening. So we looked the other direction and it was the door to the outside and it was clear. So we headed to that door, and we're on the second story, started down the steps, got hit with eight-degree weather, and headed for our car, and turned that on and scraped the ice off the windows, waiting to see what we should do. Now, there were other people in the lodge at the time, but we saw it, nobody else outside. And so we went back to the door to see what was happening, and it's locked. We can't get back in. So then we get back in the car, and we head around to the main entrance and go to that door, and it's locked. We can't get in. We go back to the car, and somebody pulls up. It's, it's the, actually the, the owner, owner's husband, and, and he says, come here, I'll let you in. He lets us in. He finds another employee, and they disappear, and they don't tell us a thing. So now we're standing there saying, what do we do? So we walk our way back toward our room, and we don't see anything, so we just go back to bed. A couple hours later, we went to breakfast and said to the person that was serving us, what happened? He said, well, the cook came in about 5.30 to 6 to get the, the, the breakfast thing going, and, and he turned the oven on and went to the bathroom, and evidently the night before, something in the oven had spilled, and nobody cleaned it up, and so by the time he came back out of the bathroom, smoke was billowing in the kitchen, and the alarms went off. So we, 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 we ran into a, a couple that had, were staying there at the same time we were, and they had just gotten married, and so we had, had talked about marriage, and we told them we've been married almost 40 years. They thought we were weird, and we said, it, it works. It's great. And so we said, what did you do? He said, well, we went down the hallway through those double doors that were closed, and, and there was an employee there who said, come on in, stay warm, everything's fine, and just relax, and we'll come and get you. We're sitting outside in the call. So then we found another couple we had met, and we said, well, what did you do? They said, what do we do what? 
So what did you do when the alarm went off? What alarm? The fire alarm. What fire alarm? They slept through the whole thing while we froze outside. But what if it had been a real fire? This week, I had breakfast with a friend who, like me, is being held strongly accountable and responsible by God to care and to guide followers of Jesus. The Holy Scriptures calls us really under-shepherds. You say, well, you're the under-shepherd. Who's the shepherd? The shepherd is Jesus, and he's our boss. And the amazing thing about our discussion was this. Both of us are hearing an alarm. And we're not the only ones. Anne Graham Lotz, daughter of evangelist Billy Graham, just released this warning. And she says this, as I look ahead into 2016, I believe our national and global situation will get worse. A good friend has focused my attention on Isaiah 61 and 2 as a word from the Lord for the new year. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord shall rise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. I can feel the encroaching darkness of evil that is like a, hor a heavy moral and spiritual fog. It is permeating our nation at every level. And at the, at the very same time that our nation is enveloped in thick darkness, God commands us to rise, let our light shine, and the distinctive glory of our Lord will be obvious to all. And when I hear that, part of me wants to say no. Part of me wants to say, I just want to stay wrapped up in my comfort. I just, I, just want, I just want to say it's okay. But if this is really an alarm, what should we do? And so I said to my friend this week that I've always had a sense of direction for the future. Always. In the 40 years that I've been, been doing this shepherding people, I've always had a sense of direction. But at this moment in time, in our country and in the world, I hear an alarm. And I don't know what's beyond that door. And is it safe? Or do we just say, ah, let's just go back to sleep and because, because really there is no alarm. We are calling this series that we are starting today for the next four weeks, Lifeline. And my endeavor and as we as a staff, as we talked about it, is to throw out a lifeline to all of us here that worship together so that we will not be overcome by fear for whatever the future holds. I believe that there are things that we need to know for the future and places we need to be if we're going to have faith and peace in what's coming. When Israel was in deep distress... Because of their lack of faith, Jehovah God came to them to tell them that he wanted to restore to them what they had lost and to rescue them, to bring, to them back, bring them back to their peace and prosperity. He spoke these words to the prophet Jeremiah, and today I take us back to those words over 2,000 years ago that still ring true for us today. 
And it, and it begins with this solid base. It begins with this, because if we don't get this piece that we begin with today, if we don't get this piece, we won't get the rest of it. And this piece is this. We must decide where we are going to fix our confidence. So when I want to know where are the best hotels to stay in San Francisco, I trust TripAdvisor. That's where I go. If I want to know when to buy airline tickets and with whom to buy them, I go to an app I have on my phone called Hopper, H-O-P-P-E-R. I trust them. When my mom, who is 84, wants to know the real truth about America, she goes and listens to Greta on Fox because she says she'll tell the truth. When Pam wants to know how to renovate a home, she trusts Joanna and Chip Gaines on HGTV. Because all you got to do is take out a wall, put up shiplap, whatever that is, and put in a farm sink, and you're set to go. If we are confident in our confidence, we can ask questions and even begin to have somewhat doubts. But if we are confident in our confidence, if we are confident in the one in whom we are confident, then the truth of the matter is, no matter what the questions, and we can ask those questions, or oh, the Jews were great at coming up to Jehovah God saying, hey, what's the deal with this? But if you are confident, you never bail out. So Jeremiah lives in a city that is now surrounded by an invading army that is just massive. And God comes to him and says, here, I want you to go tell these people this. Go tell them that if they will repent, I will rescue. So he has full confidence in this God that what this God is saying will come true. So he goes to them with this really good news, just repent and we're going to be okay. And he comes to them and you would think they'd go, yay, our hero, thank you. They say, we don't hear an alarm. In fact, what they do to this one who should be a hero is among many things they do to him, they throw him in a well, they shackle him up, they put him under house arrest, and they publicly humiliate him. They do nothing. Now, if I was Jeremiah, I would think, I said what you told me to say, and look how it turned out. I'm not sure I ever want to do that again. And then this happens. Jeremiah 33 says this. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Now, Jeremiah does not bail out. In fact, he is extremely confident, even in this second word. So in the days ahead, please hear me, in the days ahead, and we don't know what those days ahead will be. GE has started laying off hundreds of people. What's going to happen to the economy? I don't know. Wall Street had its worst first week ever in the history of Wall Street. What's going to happen? I don't know. Terrorism is hitting throughout the world. What's going to, I don't know. What's going to happen? I don't know. The three branches of our government seem to be battling each other. What's going to happen? I don't know. A group of people, a militia, have gathered in Oregon, and there they're going to take their stand. What's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. I do know that our hope and our confidence is never based on what we don't know. It's always based on what we do know. 
And this is what Jeremiah knows. He knows the one whom has communicated to him, and he said his name is the Lord. And if you've been in church circles very long, we seem to use that phrase so flippantly, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord, the Lord is good, the Lord has blessed me. Well, do you even know what the word means, the Lord? The word is this, the I am that I am has said this. What does that mean? Let me give you an illustration of that. I'm going to ask Lucy to come join me right here. Thank you. So I, and I need Shrek, where are you, bud? Come over here. So let us say that Lucy is just, and she is, she's just the sweetest person, and she just, she's really nice, and, and, and she's not going to hurt anybody. And, and Shrek, I mean, just the name brings terror. <laughs> so, so Shrek is going, Shrek is going to attack. Shrek is going to become aggressive. Shrek is going to come after Lucy. Because look at the, look, much stronger, more forceful. She doesn't want to fight. What's she going to do? So before he attacks, you got to look meaner than that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> before he attacks, she knows this. That if you attack her, you attack her family. She needs to introduce you to her family. <laughs> Meet Cleet. <laughs> so when Isaiah looks out at the throngs of invaders, and they say, we're coming after you. He says, but the Lord has said to me, who is the Lord? The Lord is the I am that I am, which simply means the one who is more powerful. How many put your bet on Cleet when it comes between Cleet and Shrek? How many? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, look at this. <laughs> So now, so now here's, here's the deal you say, but, but how do we know Cleet's going to show up? Well, because Cleet and Lucy, sometime in the past, said, hey, let's have a covenant relationship where we're going to be together forever. The name I am that I am is a specific covenant name that God uses to say to his people, I am always with you, no matter what. And that covenant means this, that Lucy's enemies are Cleet's enemies. Lucy's allies are Cleet's allies. Lucy's debts are Cleet's debts, sorry. <laughs> Lucy's resource sources are Cleet's resources. So that when the enemy comes against you and you go, oh, what am I going to do? The Lord says, who's the Lord? The I am that I am says, I'm here with my family. Don't be messing. So she can say, give me your best shot, dude. Because this guy is bigger than your best shot. This guy is bigger than my fears. And this guy is much bigger than you. Because he is the I am that I am. Thanks. So we see that and we go, that's great. In fact, the first thing, because remember we read, he came to him a second time. Here's the first thing that God said. 
Jeremiah 32, verse 26. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the I am that I am, the God of all mankind. I rule over everybody. So what? What did he say? Is anything too hard for me? Serious? So that is the one that we have to choose as followers of Jesus. That's the one we put our confidence in. But this I know. I only believe what I experience. You can tell me he's Lord, and you can tell me he's good, but I only believe what I experience. See, I can tell you that my wife Pam makes the best biscuits and gravy in the world. And, and you can go out here and say, hey, Pam makes the best biscuits and gravy in the world, and then you can sit down and eat somebody else and go, well, see, I'm not sure now because I never have really tasted her biscuits and gravy, so maybe this is the best. But if I invite you over and you taste it, you go, I know, I experienced the biscuits and gravy. I've experienced this. So understand, the only way that I gain a rooted confidence in both God's abilities and his compassion for me, that he'll be there always, is through saturating myself in his revealed truth that I know because I know because I've experienced it. So you can't come here and just listen to me and say, okay, Reisner said, now I'm confident. No. Because somebody who argues better, who expresses better, will say something contrary, and you go, hey, I'm not sure. So you've got to, you've got to experience this yourself. It comes from the Hebrew root word, ha. Joshua the warrior was instructed by Jehovah God, and he said, I'm, I need you to do this thing. I'm going to have you do these things that are just seemingly impossible, and, and what will end up happening is that he's going, to, he's going to overtake cities that shouldn't be able to be overtaken. He's actually going to walk right through a flooding river, and it's going to divide. All of that's going to happen, but he said, for you to get there, you're going to have to have confidence in me, and this is how you're going to have to live your life in confidence with me and teach other people how to have confidence in me. He said, let me show you how. So he says to Joshua, this book of the law, the description of who God is, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is wherever you go. You won't be if you have confidence in me and the only way that you're gonna be able to prosper and have confidence in me is this haga. So right now, if you're discouraged, if you are panicked, then I want to say to you that you need some more Hagah. We call it meditation. And meditation in this sense is, is not finding a mantra and emptying your mind. In this context, it means to find the truth and fill your mind. This word means to speak in a low murmur. It's used in other places of the low rumbling of a lion who has just killed its prey. Can you hear it? It's the same wording that is, that is used in other places for, for the sound in the morning of those doves who are making that, that just that gentle noise. It is also the wording of someone who is in mourning. Oh, oh. In the Psalms and Proverbs, it is translated to speak. So here's meditation 
in the biblical way. It means to take scripture, and in those days it had to be memorized because not everybody could, could have something to read. So to take the scriptures you have memorized, the truth about who God is, and begin to rehearse it and say it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. The shepherd. I shall not want. He's going to take such good care of me that I have everything I need. I shall not want. He makes me to lie in green pastures and beside still waters because sheep will not lie down unless all the predators are out of the way. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, we did it this morning. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Amen. We kept saying it over and over again. You know what we were doing? We were singing meditation. What happens at that moment is that the actual speaking aloud of the truth helps the heart and the mind to engage it. And we go, yeah. That's the truth. So my uncle wrote a book years ago called The Passing of the Night. It was a story of his seven and a half years. He's in a prisoner of war camp, and what he wrote in there will just blow your mind about what he went through and the torture he went through and the answers to prayer that God gave him when he cried out to him. And you could read it and go, I see, I'm not sure. So then you could sit down with Robbie and say, tell me, this part right here. And Robbie would begin to tell you, yeah, when I was there on that concrete bench and I'd been, been laying there and I had a kidney infection and they weren't taking care of me and, and I had my hand in handcuffs and my feet in stocks and I said, God, I can't take this anymore. And I found a notch on the concrete and I hit it with my handcuffs and they popped off. And I reached up and I found the padlock and I pulled it off. And I got up and I exercised and I relieved myself and I took care of the pain that I had and I heard the guard coming and I locked it all back up. He came back in and he couldn't get it unlocked and hours later I said, God, I can't take this anymore and the same exact thing happened. Now you can read it in a book and say, yeah, I'm not sure, but if you sat with Robbie, you'd go, yeah, I know the author. This is real. Now when you read the scriptures, when you begin to meditate on them and you begin to rehearse them out loud, day and night, God said to Joshua, if you want to be prosperous, you want to be successful, if you want to have confidence. As you begin to say that, what happens is that the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Bible, because God says all Scripture is God-breathed, it is pneumad, it is spirited, His Spirit has created it, so that when you begin to recite that and declare it and ask for truth to become real to you, the Holy Spirit, the author, sits with you and says, this is true, this is right. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. You say, I'm not very, I don't have a strong faith. Then you need to meditate. You need to get to a spot where you say, I am confident because here's what happens. The psalmist David says this in the very first psalm. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Stop there. He's saying, blessed are those who don't experience that life. Blessed are those who don't hang out with people that are not God-focused and make them your buds and your heart-to-heart with them and you walk with them because when you walk with them, eventually you'll stop and you'll loiter with them. And eventually you will sit with them and become one of them and you'll experience them and that will be your confidence. What they say, what the culture says. 
So you say, I don't mess with those people. But I got to tell you, what does the media say that you listen to every day? What is, what is it on your, on, on your iPhone? What, what's, what are you listening to and what are you watching? Because that is who you're walking with and who you're sitting with and who you're going to then put your confidence in. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates what? And here's the promise. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. Which means this, no matter what the world does around you, that when you're saturated in God like this and confident in him because you know who he is, no matter what the economy's doing, no matter what the world is doing, he says, you are going to succeed and prosper the way I want you to no matter what else is happening around you. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. So we have got to first make it our practice to, to know his truth and to recite his truth and to go over and over again his truth and to say his truth. So I would encourage you that in a daily time, you take scriptures and you begin reading through them and as you, as you read them, you find those that really stick out on your mind and you just pause right there. It's not a race to see how much scripture you can read and you just start saying, he who dwells in the shelter the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh Lord, I want to dwell in you and if I do, I'm in your rest because he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And all day long, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, I will say of you, even today right here in my office, I will say of you, you are my refuge, my God in whom I trust. Because what you'll find out is this, that God never overpromises and he never underdelivers. It's there, folks. It is so there. I found in those moments, and they come, when God is not answering fast enough. You ever notice how slow God is? He, if he would ask me, I could get him on a better time schedule. He doesn't answer fast enough, and sometimes he doesn't answer good enough. Because I say, you know, if you'd have done it this way, I just think it would have been a lot better if you'd have done it this way. But eventually I get to the spot where instead of being discouraged, I say, but yet my confidence is in you, and who else would I go to? You are still God. You still are. In fact, sometimes when I start to get discouraged, I will say, no, wait, 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 God. Do you know who you are? He does. But you know who you are? I want to tell you who you are. You're the God who opens the Red Sea. In fact, it said that before they got there, the footprints, your footprints were already there. The path was there. And if you did it then, you can do it for me now. You're God. Do you know who you are? You take when there's not very much resource and you multiply it over and over again so that not only do I have enough, but I have much to share with everybody else. That's who you are. And by the time I quit, finish telling him who he is, and he does know who he is, I know who he is. Because that is meditating on him. Now, once we have decided and put our confidence in him and saying that he has the top seed of all beings and gods, then you get to do this in a much better way. You need to cry, and not like a baby, but you cry like a warrior. Listen to what God told Israel to do now. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 
That word call means to cry out. It means to call aloud. It means to roar. It's used to describe the cry of, 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 of young birds waiting for their food. Ever heard them? They don't care who's listening. They want their food. It's the cry of a child who feels that child is in danger. Ever have a child have a nightmare at night and hear them start screaming? They don't care if it wakes you up. They need someone greater than their fear. What we call this, crying like a warrior, we call it prayer. You say, you know, I've, I've been trying to trust God and things have gotten bad and I'm just not getting anywhere. Well, let me, just, let me just make it really clear. We have not begun to fight until we learn how to pray. Because you say, I've got all these spiritual weapons, but the problem is that prayer, that prayer is the way that we as believers activate the spiritual weapons. Otherwise, they're just sitting there. I appreciate the words of a man who prayed and really prayed. His name is E.M. Bounds, and he said this. Prayer is the great universal force to advance God's cause. Not to pray is a denial of God. It's a denial of his, of his existence, a denial of his nature, and a denial of his purposes towards mankind. Praying men and women are the only men in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Did you hear that? Praying men and women are the only men and women in which the Holy Spirit dwells, for the Holy Spirit and prayer go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit never descends upon prayerless men or prayerless women. He never fills them. He never empowers them. There is nothing whatever in common between the Spirit of God and men and women who do not pray. The Spirit dwells only in a prayer atmosphere. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you, you've got to pray. That is why Pastor Jason, for this last year, had about 80, 90 people who would meet every couple of months on a Saturday morning and they would talk about following the leading of the Holy Spirit and how to have the power of the Holy Spirit released into their lives. And then as they were coming to the conclusion of that year, he said, now we've got to pray. We've got to pray. Why? Because I just read it. Because the Holy Spirit is activated in our lives through our prayers. And so he said, you've got to start prayer groups. And so as a result, there are now 18 prayer groups who are praying in the Holy Spirit. And you know who they're praying for? They're praying for you. That's what prayer is for. This next week, because prayer is so important, I'm going to talk to you about how to remove the enemy's advantage in your life. The next week after that, we're going to talk about how, to, how we step up and find victory once and for all. And then for the last week of this series, how do you stand firm when it doesn't seem like God's answering on time? That's why I'm asking you, and, and you perhaps received it on your way in this morning, I'm asking you to join me in a week of fasting, January 18th through 24th. I'm asking you to follow the guidelines that are there. I'm asking you to join me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, starting a week from Monday at 5.30 in this room as we corporately pray together. Because the thing about fasting is that it accelerates the power of our prayers and, go, and praying it together even accelerates it even to a further degree. If you are serious about releasing God, if you're serious about understanding that an alarm is being sounded, then I'm also making a declaration for you this morning. I am calling us to a sacred gathering, which means you need to be here on the 24th 
And in that gathering, we are going to confess those things that have tied us personally and corporately and tied us down so that we cannot move forward into what God wants. And then we're going to begin to declare who he is for us in this time and place. And you need to be here because that is part of crying out. So what is it you face right now? Have you cried out to God? Have you cried out it's just alone, and I mean out loud, because the word all through the scripture when it says cry out to him actually means to be out loud. You say, well, I don't think that's important. Look, it's not my deal. It's what God said. Cry out. Have you cried out with your family to get together and say, here's what we're facing. Let us cry out together and vocalize it loudly. Have you cried out with community? Say, I gotta gather people together and we have got to pray for this issue now. I gotta pray for my family because they're struggling. I gotta pray for my job. I gotta pray for, for the economy. I gotta pray for whatever. And have you gathered together to do that? And you say you don't have time, then you don't have time to have a strong confidence in God. And what's gonna happen when the alarm is real? You say, well, you know, God's gonna do what God's gonna do. It's his will. No, no, you need to understand this. When God created this earth, he said, the way this is going to work is that I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you the authority. And when man sinned, he gave the authority to Satan. And when Jesus came back, he took back the authority by his death and resurrection and handed it back to us and said, now you have the authority. So whatever you bind shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose shall be loosed in heaven. It's like a double signature check. It has to have two signatures. And it says to Jack Reisner, all the power he needs to face this challenge, signed Jesus. But there needs to be one more signature, and that is my signature in agreement in prayer. If I don't pray, nothing will happen. Because God said, you hold the authority now. If we do that, if we cry out, here's what he's going to do. Because he said this, I will show you things you didn't know. You will begin to know like a master, even though you're not a master. So I have a friend who owns a biological fertilizer company that has just gone phenomenal in his business. It's just, it's gone way beyond anything you ever imagined. And so... <clears throat> And he's a good businessman, and he began working for this company and decided that, that he would buy them out because he thought he could do it better, and he did. So he's a good businessman, and he creates these formulas of biological fertilizer that are just amazing. And so I said to him one day, I said, hey, 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 so do you have a degree in biology? No. Chemical engineering? No. I said, well, what do you have a degree in? Nothing. I said, well, how do you know how to make these formulas? He says, I cry out to God. I say, God, I don't know how to do this, but you gave me this business and you want it to succeed. Now you show me how to do this. He says, I cry out until he tells me. And it's been amazing what has happened. Pam and I have a friend years ago who was raising preschoolers. And if you've ever raised preschoolers, you know that you can have meltdowns. <laughs> she said, I would go into the bathroom and shut the door. And I would cry out to God and say, God, you gave me these kids to raise, and I haven't the foggiest idea what to do except kill them. 
you got to show me what to do. You got to show me insight at what makes them tick. You got to show me how to get them to do what they need to do. And she said, I would cry out until God would give me an idea, and it worked. God said, you cry out to me and I will answer you. Here's what, he, here's what he said. Here's what I'll do. I will show you that which is great. That word great means something that is beyond your experience or your knowledge. Something that you would not know. Einstein might know it, but you don't know it. Somebody who's really geared in that part of life might know it, but you don't know it. So there's this whole great piece of knowledge right here and you're over here and you don't know anything about that you don't know what to do but you cry out to God and God says here's what I'll do I'll answer you and it means this I'll come over here and I'll get that piece of information you need I'll bring it back to you and I will put it front and center so now you know that's what I'll do for you and when that happens then you're going to know what to do because now you can go where you weren't allowed as I was preparing for this today, I just felt like God was saying to some of you that there are spiritual forces making it impossible for you to pursue your dream. There's a resistance that's keeping you from moving ahead and causing you exhaustion in the process. In fact, you have been battling so much that you are now ready to accept mediocrity. I saw this sign at the end of last year. Jason, do we have that? My New Year's resolution is to lose 10 pounds. I only have 15 pounds to go. <laughs> Think about it. You say, I'm going to do something, but you've been moving backwards, not forwards. In fact, you've got to the spot now that things seem so bad that you're starting to blame yourself for it. So you're just, you're, and, you're, and you're self-talking yourself down. Or you're blaming other people. It's their fault. And the, and the problem is this, that you're not attacking the real issue. So how do you get past the barrier? said, I will show you things that are great and things that are hidden. And that means simply this. I will move you into places that were once fortified so you couldn't get to them and places that were fenced off from you, and now I'm going to bring you to those places and open it up so that you're there. And I really believe that what we face in the future, no matter what happens in this world, there are places we need to stand that are fenced off, but as we cry out to God, God says, no, 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 you're going to know what to do, and I'm going to put you right in the right spot. I'm going to put you there. So Moses says to God, have you seen these people? These million and a half people, have you watched them? And you want me to lead them cross country to a promised land? Are you kidding me? The only way that I can do that is have confidence that I can do that. And the only way that I'm going to have confidence in me is that I have confidence in you. And I'm still getting to know you. And I know that I can't see you personally, because it's off limits. It's a barrier. It's a wall. You won't let that. But I'm crying out to you and saying, I still need to see you. I'm crying out, I've got to see you. I've got to see you. I've got to see you. And God says, okay. And God takes him up, puts him in, in this little hole in a rock, and he says, now, you can't really see me full on, but as I go by, I'm going to cover you, but as I go by, you're going to just see the residue of where I've been because that's all you can handle. But you get to see me. And when he saw him, the confidence that grew in him was so great that it actually shined out his face. People said, he's glowing. They said, we gotta follow this guy. Esther knew that she needed to rescue some people, but she also knew that even though she was a queen, 
that she couldn't go before the king. There's a barrier there. You cannot go. You can only go to the king if the king invites you because if you go to him and he doesn't want to see you, he'll kill you. That's the rule. So she cries out to God and says, I got to get before the king. But if I go and he doesn't want me, he'll kill me. So I got to just say to you, open the door. Remove the barrier. I'm crying out to you. She goes out into the waiting room and she's standing there and the king sees her. He doesn't kill her. In fact, it's the opposite. He suddenly has this incredible favor toward her and invites her in. And as a result, she is not killed. Instead, she rescues an entire nation we now call Israel. Jesus cries out to God because he has to enter into a place that no one has ever escaped. He says, you've got to take me in and you've got to bring me out. And Jesus then, after crying out to God, enters into death and three days later comes back out and then he says this. And by the way, I have a whole lot of friends who are going to follow me out too. When people tell you it's impossible, don't believe them. Because anything walled off can be opened by God. Just cry out and see what he will do. Cry out until you know what to do. But I got to warn you that those kind of fights are not easy because you have to keep crying out because it's an intense warfare. And you think the spiritual forces that want to kill you, your family, your business, your dreams is going to just roll over and say, okay. Nah, they're going to fight. Kind of like a Steeler Cincinnati game. <laughs> going to go after it. And what it's going to do for you is that it's going to release weapons that you can use, but it's also going to begin to tire you out. And you're going to go, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm too exhausted. I can't finish this journey. It's that moment that you have got to begin to, again to meditate and declare, but this is who you are. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And surely, surely you'll save me from the fowler's snare, which means there are no weapons formed against me that can prosper. And from the deadly pestilence, it means that the poisonous circumstances that I can't see, you're going to keep me from those. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Just in case you spirits don't know this, and you cry out loud. And what happens is that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High by crying out will now rest. That prayer not only provides a weapon, but also a respite. And you go, ah. Oh. I have a friend in this, in this audience this morning that when he gets to those spots, he goes to a Carmelite the Carmelite nun's place, and they have a chapel there, and he just goes in and he worships God, and he comes back out refreshed. He's like, okay. That's what crying out will do. So here's what I believe. I believe there's an alarm, and it's sounding now. What is ahead? Only God knows, but he says, I'll resource you and I'll protect you. But we have got to build our confidence in him now. So listen to me. Listen. If you don't know who he is, 
and you need people to teach you. We've got classes, so don't go around doing everything else but finding your confidence in him. I know soccer is important, and I know the parent-teacher thing is important, and I know that you working out is important, and I know all those other things are important. But when the alarm sounds and the real thing happens, if you have not already built your confidence, you're going to find it tough to be confident at that moment. I'm warning you. Yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, 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 you, you parents, you ever, you ever have your kids just ignore you and you say, oh, I don't want you to go through that? Ever that ever happened? I know you were perfect as a kid, but your kids are messing. As your shepherd, I'm telling you and I'm telling me, I think things are gonna get worse. And it's time for us to hunger after the word of God so that we're confident in it. And we have classes for you, we have mentors for you, and yet you think that just 30 minutes on a Sunday morning listening to me is gonna do it? I don't think so, because you haven't experienced it yet. Because here's what he said. He said, to, he said to Israel, if you cry out to me, and I, and I show you this knowledge, and I, and I put you in places you need to be, here's what he promised them. Through the rest of that chapter of 33, he says this, I'm gonna give you healing, I'm gonna give you peace instead of stress, you get to come back home, your guilt will be cleaned away from you, you'll be honored, you'll have a good reputation, there'll be happiness in your home, your business will flourish, God's promises will not be held back from you, and what you lost will be restored, and God's compassion will be all over you, and that's why they're surrounded by this invading army. He says, I'm gonna do that for you but you gotta cry out. So can we do that? Can we cry out? So here's what we're gonna do. I've asked Pastor Jason to, to, to forewarn that Journey with Power class people that are part of prayer groups now that I want them to pray over us today. So I want them to come right now. So would you come, those that are part of those prayer groups, get up here, come on, and just stretch across the front, come on. You know who you are. Just stretch across the front. There you go. Need some right down here. There you go. All right. I'm going I'm to even ask now that, that even the elders and the, and the council and their, their spouses to, to just even start going up next to the gallery walls. Just You come up and join them. Come on. Elders, shepherds. Bastards, come on, do it. There you go. Come on. And, and, and those who are part of our other intercessory groups, you get up and come too. You just start going up the gallery walls right there. There you go. It is time for some of you to be, to, 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 to be broken out of where you've been. It's time for you to be set free. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to invite you that if there's just something you need to get, you need to cry out for, you come and you just tell one of these folks and, and then you together begin to cry out. And, it could, and, and I would encourage you to do it out loud. I mean, that's what it means. It means to cry out. It means to roar. It means to say, this is it. You say, I've never done that before. Well, it's time you do. And, and so, in just a moment, I invite you to come and just, we've got plenty of people here because I know plenty of us need to just find freedom. So you're gonna join us because Pam and I have some things that we have been praying for that we still have to cry out for that are deep in our hearts. 
So I'm going to come to one of these who know how to pray and these who've been filled with the Spirit of God, who've been praying, and we're going to join together and cry out loud together. And don't you leave here without that opportunity. And if you are here and you say, you know, I don't even know this relationship with God through Jesus you've been talking about, and I just need to know that, come, come talk to them. They'll talk to you about that too. But the alarm's going off. And we don't know what's beyond those doors, except God does, and he's going to get us there. So in a moment, I'm going to have you stand, and then we're going to just invite you to come and, and be prayed for. And if you just want to sit there and pray over people who are coming there, you stay there. And if you've got to go, this is the benediction. You just go. We're so glad you're here. Come back next week, and let's talk more about getting you free from your adversaries. So we just stand. So I'm just going to invite you now. Now the song being played is "I Surrender All." You're going to come and just say, "I'm surrendering this." I'm going to cry out, and these people are going to cry out with you. So come on, come on, just come on. And you can just stand and pray and do whatever you want to do. But you come and be prayed for, and then go whenever you need to. God bless you. Have a great day. See you tonight at five at the summit.